This is Terrio Media. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another electrifying episode of the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is where fortunes are built, dreams are realized, and myths shattered. I'm your host, ready to get you on the edge of your seats as we reveal the hidden truths of the investing world that can change your life. In today's power-packed episode, we're going back in time. Back to a world before the internet, before AI, before advanced technology. How did the richest people in history amass their fortunes? They built empires that stood the test of time. Brace yourselves for eight ancient money rules the rich don't want you to know. And they hit their secrets well. But today, we're breaking the code. But that's not all. We're about to pull the curtain back on one of the most controversial topics in the world of finance. Ever been told to avoid debt like the plague? Well, we're about to flip that conventional wisdom on its head. And how avoiding debt holds you back and keeps you poor. We are debunking the seven most pervasive myths about debt that could be sabotaging your path to financial freedom. It's time to break the chains and seize control of your financial destiny. Hold tight because we're not done yet. Do you have the guts, the tenacity, the drive, but still success eludes you? Well, get ready for a swift kick of motivation with our game-changing segment, Crushing the Three Demons of Real Estate Success. We'll expose the invisible barriers holding you back, the sneaky adversaries in your path, and most importantly, we're handing you the weapons to vanquish them once and for all. Get ready to rewrite the rules of success in real estate investing and in life itself. Are you ready to conquer your fears, shatter your limits, and catapult your dreams into reality? Buckle up, because you're about to embark on a wild ride in the high-stakes world of real estate investing. Hey, strap in. It's time for the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. We'll be your guides as we navigate the housing market, the landscape of creative financing strategies, and everything you need to swap that office chair for a beach chair. If you're looking for some one-on-one help, meet us at reiace.com. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. Hey there, Rockstar. Do you see videos like these in your feed? How to make money fast. I built three $100 million businesses in nine minutes. Seven passive income ideas. How I make $67,000 per week. How to buy a business with no money. When you buy a house for $0. Oh, that one was mine. Good video. True story. True story. I love money. You love money. We want more, right? Well, this just popped up in my feed the other day. Stop working. The money will come by itself. The secret that allows you not to work. The proven way to wealth. This video is about John D. Rockefeller. You heard of him? Yeah, super rich guy. This video took me down a deep rabbit hole where I discovered the ancient money rules the rich don't want you to know. I need to know. And there were a couple of really good lessons in this one specifically. Don't be afraid to borrow, he said, even when you have money. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? You see, just because you have money doesn't mean you have to use it to acquire property. He said, only the financially illiterate are afraid of debt. Richest guy in the world said that. More on what else he said in a minute, but that video it led me to the Vanderbilts, the Carnegies, and then to the richest family ever, the Rothschilds. How'd they get so rich? They didn't have the internet. They didn't have chat GPT or... They didn't have deal engineer. How'd they do it? Well, as the good book says, ask and ye shall receive. Actually, Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it shall be given you. And I'll be damned, the old YouTube algorithm placed this in front of me. The secret to becoming truly rich with Rabbi Manus Friedman on the Kosher Money Show. 
Really good channel. Go check those guys out. They're cool. In this interview with Rabbi Friedman, it, it stopped me in my tracks and opened up a new reality for me about becoming truly rich with ancient money rules that most have forgotten, or maybe they're just choosing to ignore them, or perhaps they're being protected. So whether you're flipping burgers, flipping sneakers, or flipping houses, these ancient rules of money are something to consider and will probably have you think at least at some point, damn, I've been doing this wrong. I watched probably seven hours of video from a dozen or so different channels on the history of money. I mean, back to Adam and Eve. Adam. Yes, Eve. Through the rise and fall of empires, massive economic shifts, and learned the strategies that the richest people used to pull through and make themselves even richer. I mean, what they did to make it, what they did to grow it, and what they do to keep it growing. Money, money, money. And I've got, oh, several pages of notes here. It'd take me probably at least an hour to get through them all. So what I did is I put together a short list of these ancient money rules that the rich are still using today to make themselves richer. A list that you can steal and apply to your own legacy. Ready? All right. So these first two rules have everything to do with just how you look at money. For example, God made money to get us to interact with each other, to meet people we otherwise would not meet, to get us to come out of our caves. I mean, if you go back far enough, and if you're paying attention today, money's immutable rules are really very spiritual. God's plan wasn't for us to follow the money, but rather follow where the money takes us. Because the only significant consequence of being rich or poor is that you'll meet different people along the way. Your wealth or poverty will take you to where you can do the most good in the world. And we will never be rich if we function as needy creatures. I mean, the only way to become rich is to function as if you're needed and then do noble deeds for those that need you and riches will follow. And that's a good question to ask yourself. Do you walk around leaning more towards the needy side or the needed side? I mean, there's some really good clues about your finances in that answer. Second money rule says money is not the goal. It's a tool to accomplish other goals. It's not even something to accumulate, but rather to create businesses and invest to produce a better quality of life. Even retirement isn't something to look forward to, but rather being active and productive is what you're to look forward to. Third money rule, start a business. Owning your own business, that's a money rule of the rich. And it always has been because owning a business gives you control over the hours you work, the income you produce, and your own self-fulfillment. And it allows you to help others and to serve God. In the Jewish faith, Someone who works for someone else their entire life is considered to have been burdened with an unlucky destiny. Elon Musk once publicly proposed that instead of baby showers, we should host business showers. When a friend starts a business, we all come together, celebrate them, and bring resources for their business beginnings. Ancient rule number four, work hard. But not how you might think. Being resilient and persevering through the challenges of running and building a business can present and recognizing that success is the only option, that's how most look at hard work today. But intertwined in the hard work concept has always been the smart work concept. And there are many layers to it, meaning each business or vessel that it was commonly referred to has its limits. By putting more time and energy into a business doesn't mean more riches will come out. Instead of stretching oneself to maximum capacity, stretch the vessel. Open a second store was an example. Spending more time and working harder in the one store when it takes you away from your family and life is not working smart. The bigger blessing doesn't happen with more of your time, but rather with more space that it's given to grow. And if we go down another layer, 
to working smart. And this showed up as having the most to do with whether or not you become rich. Ancient money rule number five, network. Make connections and increase the size of your community. Network. I tap that network. This money rule is as old as business itself. Forming relationships and bonds within your community to where there's a strong sense to support and care for one another. Look after each other in the interest that each member of your community succeeds. An ancient money rule is to build up the people in your community. And it was referenced more than once. And it was here in Mark 12, 31. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And as you're taking care of your neighbor, as you're taking care of your community, it is imperative that you take care of your reputation. That's ancient money rule number six. And this was in the Rockefeller story that I mentioned earlier. John D was adamant about fulfilling his obligations, even if it hurt him to do so. And because he did, banks stood in line to give him money. A good reputation, it opens opportunity. The Torah gives good guidelines about this, written 400 years before Christ, to be honest and treat employees fairly. That's in Leviticus 19.36. And to avoid dishonest gain, that's stressed in the Torah, which addresses exploitation, deceit, and avoiding undue greed or envy in business matters. Maintaining justice in all dealings, including business, is a central tenet of the Torah. Ancient money rule number seven, be charitable. Charity and compassion, giving to the poor, that's a fundamental principle in Jewish law. And this was everywhere, in every period, in every region, in every faith. 10 to 20% goes to charity, depending on where you look. But the practice was universal and non-negotiable. It was a recurring rule over and over to give charitably in your community, to be happy for the successes within your community, to support businesses within your community, to encourage others in your community to do the same, because by doing so, it creates an environment that breeds reciprocation. And with that, the community grows bigger and stronger, thereby empowering the community to break into markets much faster because it's working together. Collaboration over competition. And of course, there are the ancient money rules of frugality, saving, and being a skilled manager of your riches, taking advantage of low interest loans to invest in what one knows, putting money to work by investing in real estate and business. These are all historically honored rules of money, but a prevailing pattern revolved around the importance of education and family and passing down life's financial experience and wisdom to future generations to keep the wealth growing. And that's ancient money rule number eight, teach your kids. Money holds a prominent space in the lives of the richest people's families and their, their overall lives. And so it's discussed regularly. And the discussions, they start early in life. For example, the five jar system, this is a modern practical method used to teach children the historical rules of money about saving, spending, investing, and charity. And I'm starting this with my son and it works like this. Each of the jars represents a different aspect of money management. First, there's the giving jar where my son will put money to give away to help others, whether that be a charity, a religious organization, or a cause that he cares about. Second, the saving jar for the future, whether it be a big purchase that he's saving for or just general savings. Third, the investing jar. He'll use this money to make more money. Stocks, a small business venture, or an income property. Fourth jar, education. Money used for learning purposes like books, courses, school supplies. And the fifth jar, the spending jar. Money for his wants, the toys, the games, the Roblox, the candy, the golf clubs. So of all the ancient money rules that you just learned or were just reminded of, which one will you embrace first? We'll be back with more right after this.
Today's deal is in Birmingham, Alabama. And tell us what the numbers are. This investment opportunity checks all the boxes. We're heading to a neighborhood that exemplifies the heart and soul of family-centric living, the highly sought-after Eastlake. At the heart of Eastlake sits a stunningly restored four-bedroom, two-bathroom, single-family residence. This home not only boasts of comfort, but is a promising cash flow generator. With a total livable space of 1,333 square feet, it embodies the perfect blend of style, functionality, and warm family charm. This home has been meticulously rehabbed down to the smallest detail, making it an absolute turnkey investment for you. Picture this. As your tenants step into their newly renovated home, they're greeted by a freshly modernized interior with updated HVAC, a brand new water heater, upgraded plumbing and electrical systems, and a newly installed roof. Moreover, this abode extends its charm outdoors with a spacious fenced-in backyard. Imagine summer evenings filled with laughter and barbecues, the kids running around and memories being made. The fenced yard also ensures privacy and security, a notable feature for a family-centric neighborhood. This prime rental property is nestled in an area surrounded by the very best amenities that Eastlake has to offer. The neighborhood provides easy access to major highways and intersections, making the morning commute a breeze. Daily necessities? Just a stone's throw away, you have the Piggly Wiggly family dollar and an array of specialty shops. And there's more. The serenity of the nearby Eastlake Park offers the perfect respite from daily life and the proximity to esteemed educational institutions, Barrett Elementary School, Wee Putnam Middle School Magnet, and Woodlawn High School Magnet is sure to attract families. Churches, pharmacies, and various other essential amenities round out the offerings. Currently, this beautiful home is occupied with a tenant paying $1,250 per month with a lease set until 2024. This guarantees you a steady cash flow from the moment you seal the deal. So if you're a busy professional wanting to invest in real estate, but lacking the time, know-how, or simply don't want to do all the heavy lifting, this property is your answer. This investment provides you with a perfect blend of stable income, potential for capital growth, and a tangible asset that contributes positively to the lives of its tenants. For more information on this property and others just like it, grab a free investor package from cashflowsavvy.com. Hope is not a financial strategy. Let's get back to work. It's slowing your growth. It's robbing your cash flow. It's stealing your assets. It's increasing your taxes. It's got you on the wrong side of inflation. Avoiding debt, it's keeping you poor. And it's not your fault. I mean, you've been trained to be poor. The education system has done its best to mold us into obedient little robots while stifling creativity, critical thinking, and entrepreneurship. Do what you're told. Don't ask questions. There's only one right answer to every problem, they say. Don't make mistakes. Don't take risks. I mean, this is a recipe for how not to get ahead. And these seven myths about debt, they're holding you back from achieving the riches that you dream of in the time that you want to achieve them. Myth number one, and it's the oversimplification in this statement that's holding you back the most. Debt 
is bad. Certain types of debt, like mortgages and business loans and education, when managed correctly, are smart tools and essential for getting ahead and building your wealth. Using debt to expand a business, purchase new assets, or invest in assets, it allows businesses and investors to grow much faster than they could without it. Myth number two, and believe this one at your own risk because it creates unnecessary inefficiencies and disadvantages, and that's to avoid debt at all costs. Strategic borrowing can simplify business, reduce effort, and help you seize meaningful opportunities that you otherwise wouldn't be able to. Myth number three, this is a brilliant piece of wisdom. I mean, who needs financial literacy when we can just subscribe to the fallacy that all debt is equal. You know, whether you're drowning in credit card debt or investing in an income property, the myth wants you to believe it's all the same. I mean, who needs to understand interest rates and repayment terms or the potential for multiplying returns? I mean, if financial independence and long-term prosperity are important to you, you do. Myth number four, if you value convenience, rewards, and a good credit score, then you must ignore the advice that credit cards are bad. When used responsibly and for the right things, they can be powerful tools. When used by experts, expertly, the benefits can be amazing. For example, I use my American Express gold card to pay for all of our online advertising that brings in new clients for us and that keeps us in business. And then in the background, this card pays four times the points when we run our ads through it. And that comes back to me by way of cash, free first-class travel, access to airport lounges, free car rentals and insurance coverage, extended warranties, and purchase protection. By strategically using this small little piece of plastic, it turns everyday purchases into an opportunity to earn and save. And when it comes to travel, you save a lot. I'm getting on a plane to DC right after I'm done recording this. And the flight, the hotel, and the car won't cost me a dime, all because I pay for my ads with this. So myth number five, many successful individuals and businesses, they strategically employ debt to grow their wealth and cover necessary expenses. So the myth that debt means you're financially irresponsible, it's not a stigma. It can mean the exact opposite. I mean, as of this recording, there are zero Fortune 500 companies right now that are debt-free. And that's what you call a clue. Myth number six, this will have you sacrifice investments, ignore lucrative opportunities, and kick the can of wealth creation continually down the road in exchange for making paying off debt a priority. I mean, there's a place for it for sure, but it's not a priority by default. Myth number seven, depending on interest rates and potential returns, this one could prevent you from ever getting wealthy. I mean, most people think of the debt snowball or debt avalanche method for paying down debt as their only options. But by using the debt delegator method, you can wipe out the myth that you should always pay off debt before investing. The debt delegator method does both. I mean, why should you wait to invest when you can delegate the paying down of your debt to someone else entirely? Most conventional wisdom these days, it's keeping you poor. But specifically by avoiding debt, you're surrendering 10 invaluable wealth-creating tools. Number one, capital needed for growth. Two, improved cash flow. Three, asset ownership. Four, tax benefits. I mean, when you work for your money, you're taxed the most. When your money works for your money, you're taxed less, so that's good. But when other people's money works for your money, you're taxed the least. You can't get that benefit without debt. Number five, leverage. Multiplies your returns on your investments. Number six, building credit. Aside from the obvious larger loan amounts and lower interest rates, a good credit score affects how much you pay for insurance, where you live, and where you work. Number seven, retaining ownership. Unlike equity financing, where ownership shares are sold to raise funds, debt financing allows business owners to retain full control and ownership of their business. Eight, debt often comes with a fixed repayment schedule and interest rate, which can help businesses and investors plan and budget accurately, giving you predictability. 
Nine, if the money borrowed is subject to fixed interest rates, the real value of the money repaid will decrease over time due to inflation. Thus, you effectively repay less in real terms than you borrowed. You don't want to surrender your inflation advantage, not today. And 10, using debt can help you avoid risk. For example, it can be safer to take on a manageable amount of debt to finance a risky adventure rather than risking your own money. By avoiding debt, you surrender a bunch of risk management. Sir Richard Branson, you heard of him? Yeah, the founder of the Virgin Group. His first venture into business was a magazine called Student, which he started from the basement of his home. But he soon realized the power of leverage and the potential for expansion. What most don't know about Branson is at just 16, he purchased a country estate in England, which served as a recording studio, and later the headquarters for Virgin Records. He borrowed the money to buy that property, and that was just the beginning for him strategically leveraging debt. With every venture, Branson understood that taking on good debt could fuel his expansion. It could fuel his dreams. He used it to diversify into multiple sectors, from entertainment to airlines to telecommunications to space travel, all of which are pretty darn risky ventures. But they were calculated risks, and his key to handling debt was ensuring cash flow. He ensured that his returns outperformed his interest rates. As he went on building the Virgin Empire, his calculated risk-taking and strategic use of debt played a pivotal role. Branson also understood the importance of ownership. When he borrowed money to grow, he wasn't giving away slices of his company. He maintained control, able to steer it in the direction that he wanted. And Branson used debt to manage risk. He had to. Virgin Galactic was one of the riskiest steps he had taken in business that anyone could take for that matter. I mean, we're talking about space travel. But by using debt as a tool, he was able to manage and offset the potential for financial losses. Today, he's a global icon. His story, it's a testament to the power of a daring vision, resilience, and the strategic use of debt. Without it, we wouldn't even know his name. And that's just one story of many. Thanks for sitting tight while we pay our light bill. We'll be back right after this. Ever hear someone say, I have too much money? Me neither. Let's get you some more. Back to the show. If you keep asking yourself why you're not getting to your next level in real estate investing, when you feel you're giving it your best shot, then you're likely losing the battle to one of three sneaky adversaries. And you're not alone. These demons are responsible for the demise of countless aspiring real estate investors. But it's not too late. You're here and you can turn it around. You ready? Let's go. The first adversary. It can linger in the background, in your subconscious, and most don't know it's there or its force and how it's holding them back. Is it holding you back? Well, does your heart ache thinking about missed opportunities? Your answer there would be a clue. Have you watched property prices rise, regretting that you didn't buy more, that you weren't bold enough in your actions? You had the chance and you didn't take it. The regret from missed opportunities is as devastating as financial loss, if not more. Our first adversary, playing it safe. Avoiding risk is devastating your growth as an investor. The thrill and challenge of real estate investing lies in being able to forecast trends and identify undervalued properties and take calculated risks. This process, it fosters skill development, critical thinking, and your savvy decision-making. Playing it safe limits your exposure to these valuable lessons and so hamper your potential as an investor. Every risk taken, every boundary pushed, and every bold decision made contributes not only to your financial success, but also to your personal development and sense of fulfillment. Yes, the path may be fraught with uncertainty and even temporary setbacks, but the journey will be enriched with learning 
and the sweet taste of success born from courage and vision. The real estate market, like life, isn't about surviving, it's about thriving, it's about living. A timid approach to life, an overly cautious approach to it, an approach to investing in real estate and life without risk won't lead to much. But what if this happens, they say, or what about the time that that happened, they say? Well, their approach to life revolves around worst case scenarios. It's the language of the poor because they focus on the risks of life, they don't try. What they fail to realize is it's all risk. The moment they were born, it got risky. If you think investing in real estate is risky, wait until you get the bill for not investing in it. It's riskier to not than it is to, but it's all risk. Getting married is risky. Having children is risky. Going into business is risky. You want to know what's risky? Driving to work is risky. 99 people a day die doing it. Do you drive? Taking a shower is risky. 52 people a day die doing it. Do you shower? Walking up and down the stairs in your home is risky. 32 people a day die doing it. Do you confine yourself to the first floor? Going to the hospital is risky. 24 people a day die there due to a mistake made by the hospital staff. Cooking is risky. One person a day dies doing it in their own kitchen. Do you cook at home? A handful of Google searches revealed those numbers. But you know what didn't crack the top 100? Death by real estate investing. But you hesitate. It's all risky. Life is risky. You're not getting out alive, but people still look for safety. They still look for security. They are illusions. They are alluring comfort zones that breed mediocrity. As real estate investors, playing it safe is a roadblock to your financial plenty. You are an embodiment of ambition, a testament to the unquenchable human thirst for success. I see before me a potential in you like I've never seen. Each wave poised to surge forward, each ripple ready to create a revolution. You are a real estate investor the dream builder and visionary of our society. The realm of real estate isn't for the timid. It's for those who dare to dream, to take bold strides and to leap beyond the ordinary. It's for those willing to tread uncharted territories, to explore hidden corners and to seize opportunities where others only see risks. Break away from the ordinary, shatter the status quo and embrace the daring. Investing isn't about avoiding risk. It's about understanding it. It's about navigating it. As the highest peaks bear the best views, the greatest rewards in real estate are just one daring, yet calculated decision away. Let the currents of courage carry you. Horizons of plenty await you. A blind leap, that's not what's being suggested. Calculated risk-taking is. Risk with education, risk with research, due diligence, and a bold spirit. Life is short and it's moving faster by the day. It's gonna pass you up by 4 p.m. tomorrow if you're not paying attention. Playing it safe ain't safe. No one got rich investing in bonds. Playing it safe is the new risky. Avoiding risk is the riskier thing to do. Adversary number two, it's a poisonous viper that slithers unnoticed into our minds. It's our own doubts, fears, and insecurities that steal our potential. We stare at a plot of land and see a barren wasteland, not the towering skyscraper it could house. We see obstacles, not opportunities. We see losses, not lessons. This parasitic dream stealer is called pessimism. Always looking for the downside, looking for the problem, checking all the boxes as to why it can't be done. It's a miserable way to live. It creates an ugly life. The pessimist doesn't look for what's right, but rather what's wrong, ignores virtue, focuses on fault, and when they find it, they're delighted when they do. They can't see the sunset because they can't see past the specks on the window. To the pessimist, the glass is half empty. To the optimist, half full. 
What makes the same measure affect people so differently? The answer, it all depends on how you look at it. We're mostly affected by how we think things are, not how they are. The way we think they are is what affects us most. People are poor because of poor thinking habits. The problem isn't their work habits, but their thinking habits. Poor people work hard, but they don't think hard. There's a factory inside your head. It's a mental factory powered by your thoughts. It's your thoughts that fuel the factory. Your thoughts are what create your economic, social, and financial fabric. The Bible says it, as you think, so you become. Protect your thoughts, protect your mind. You know, every morning I used to chug down a cup of hot coffee while half listening to the news and half scrolling through Twitter. I'm talking wars, riots, murders, you name it. Filling up my brain first thing in the morning. No surprise that my days felt like a rain cloud was following me around. My staff at work and even my family were nervous about getting on my wrong side. They, they steered clear from me. Not a good vibe, not conducive to productivity and progress. I discovered something though, and it wasn't rocket science, just a small change. Instead of starting the day with a buffet of bad news, I opted for brighter stuff to feed my brain. My thoughts, how I got along with people, my actions, and even the stuff I achieved, everything got a makeover as a result. If you wanna change your life, change what you read, change what you watch. Garbage in, garbage out. Gold in, gold out. And then I noticed this. Imagine if your enemy dropped a bit of poison into your coffee. You'd be in serious trouble, right? Now imagine if your bestie accidentally dropped a bit of poison in your coffee. It'd still be toast. You've got to watch your coffee, even in friendly environments. Same goes for your mind. You've got to stand guard and protect what gets in. You have to live with what enters, whether it come from foe or friend. The real estate market is a field of endless possibilities. Each investment is a seed and your thoughts about it is the soil. Plant it in negativity and it withers. Plant it in optimism and it flourishes. Our third adversary, and it's a toxic one. It'll leave you empty, it'll drain your energy, blind your vision and limit your success. It puts you in a passive role, making you a victim of your circumstances. It's dangerous because it lies and waits for you on the easy path. It disguises itself as your friend, as your ally. It's the scapegoat that leads to unfulfilled dreams and unrealized potential. This adversary goes by the name of complaining. Try this, complain to someone about your situation for 10 minutes and you'll have wasted 10 minutes of your time. 80% of them don't care or didn't listen. The other 20% were glad it was you. Complaining about a problem without proposing a solution is whining. The more we complain, the more unhappy we get. Life, it's a series of tests. It's a social and emotional and financial series of tests. When people fail a test, then point blame to someone or something else. When they complain about it, they suffer a lot. The Dalai Lama said that. If you don't think complaining is a big deal, ask the children of Israel of Old Testament fame. The story says the children of Israel were slaves. Then God, through Moses, performed a series of dazzling miracles and got them out. And now they're on their way to the promised land. The tragedy of the story is they never got there. The reason from day one is that they started to complain. They complained about the water. They griped about the weather. They whined and cried and complained about the food, the leadership. The journey, it was too long, it was too hot, it was too cold, it was too difficult. And they did this for years. God, he had had enough and stamped their tickets. Trip canceled. The original children of Israel died in the desert. They never reached the promised land. And we learned two things from the story. 
indulge in complaining long enough, you get your future canceled. Second thing, even God can only take so much. Something like that. Instead of wandering aimlessly in the desert and complaining for almost 40 years, could their outcome have been different if they allocated some time for exploring solutions? Instead of complaining about market conditions, adapt. Instead of grumbling about missed opportunities, focus on the ones awaiting you. Each stumbling block is a stepping stone. Each setback is a setup for a comeback. You are a real estate investor, not just by profession, but by heart, mind, and spirit. Your circumstances won't control your outcome. Your decisions will. Decide to complain, your future gets canceled. Decide to solve, your future gets created. And that wraps up the epic show. If you found this episode valuable, who else do you know that might too? There's a really good chance you know someone else who would. And when their name comes to mind, please share it with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here and I'll take great care of them. God loves you and so do I. Health, peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.